Hello, 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 good, good morning. Good morning, good day to you. We are recording on a Sunday morning, which is rare for us. It really is, and not what I would like to continue. <laughs> you are a late, a late bloomer in the to mornings. Be, to be quite honest, I. Uh, if only all of you could see me, you would see that I am. <laughs> oh, you look, you look great. <laughs> You look oh, hey. great, kid. <laughs> this is three. <laughs> this is three funny ladies. <laughs> this is three smoking ladies. <laughs> uh, that's Susan J. Cox. That's Joe Bailey. <laughs> and welcome to the Shia. Welcome to our world. It's Father's Day as we're recording. It is. We're doing this one early because there are some complications this week. People leaving. People having technical rehearsals for a musical they're doing at their high at their high school. At their high school. <laughs> So we're doing this early to get this one in the books, and then we're going to take this week off. It won't affect y'all. You'll still get your you regular. You won't even know. So just you'll calm be down. To this, and you'll be like, "Oh my god, they took. They're taking a week off. I can't live without them." And yeah, be like, we, "No, dummy, listen to the previous context." Yeah, it's, we're not going to miss a week. Jesus, like. I'm also meaner in the morning. <laughs> there are like thousands of you clamoring for these episodes. Listen, <laughs> Listen you stupid assholes. You're not going <laughs> to miss it. And now everyone's like, oh, that's it. Now uh, they've goodbye. The <laughs> I will not be called an asshole from this pot, from these podcasts. <laughs> from these podcasts. We love you. I mm. love you so much. How uh, are you today besides well, sleepy and tired from your day of technicals? Honest to God, have you ever, I, this was a very scary for moment, moment for me. Um, Friday night we were doing the show and listen, my back is just, my back is just a disaster. It's just a disaster. And I was just in pain. The problem is when I move, no pain. When I'm sitting, no pain. Sleeping is excruciating and hmm. just standing still is excruciating. Oh, can you sleep on a moving bed? <laughs> or maybe a hammock that just sways gently in the breeze. <laughs> you can sleep outside by your pool. Oh, our pool's coming on Monday. Is it really? It is. Oh my gosh. Then I can sneak over at three in the morning and That's I, won't, right. I won't rouse you from your hammock. I'll be sleeping in the pool though because my body will come. Oh yeah, it'll be like motion. a big old water bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just don't roll over because you'll drown. No, no, no. I'm going to drown in my dead baby pool. <laughs> <laughs> so there is two, two, scene two, five, which leads into. Oh, we all know. Are. We all know. Scene two, five, famous. Scene I two, five. just stand for, I just stand and I watch the scene happen. And the scene is excruciatingly long. So by the end of that scene, I want to take my own life. It just, my back hurts so bad. It's just so bad. And I actually had the thought, and I've never had this thought before. Well, because I'm young, but I actually had the thought, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Oh, no. I know. Isn't that scary? We'll just, it just hurts so bad. Well, well, you can play Hannibal Lecter and we'll just cart you around on a, on a hand truck. <laughs> In every show. <laughs> yep. You can you should play this show as Hannibal Lecter on a hand truck. You can wear the mask and the whole bit. What? The term hand truck is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> or a dolly. And then it can be hello dolly. Oh. That's what we'll do. You'll All just right. do from here on out, you'll do hello dolly and you'll do it on a dolly. As Hannibal. 
<laughs> as Hannibal Lecter. Yes. Oh my God. Who I mean, are these if, people making shows on Broadway? We need to get there. <laughs> if that doesn't have the Ringwald written all over it, I don't know what does. Oh, we could call it Hannibal Dolly. Well, Hannibal oh, Dolly. Dolly. <laughs> all right. Terrible. That was dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> Speaking of dead babies, we just need to do a quick foray. Uh, we got an email from longtime listener, longtime writer, Joel M. And the nice. subject line is hooray. And he just says, congratulations on 10,000 dead babies. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that's lovely. Thank you, Joelle. We love you. Joelle. Um, How have you been otherwise? Have you been doing anything besides rehearsing? You open in a week's time. A week from yesterday. Six days. We do. We do. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Um, Also, you know what else? I thought, oh, God, it's going to be so easy getting off book. You know, I've done this before. That was a fallacy. It is. It's. I think it's worse when you have done a show and then you do it again. I think it feels worse having to relearn the lines. Yeah, maybe a little why. bit. Yeah, maybe because you go into it thinking it's going to be easy and yeah. it's not. You're like, I had these down. I know this. I know what's happening. I know every moment of the show. This will be great because Head Over Heels was one of those shows for me. Listen, I've done shows where I've had no idea what was going on <laughs> the entire time. I had no idea what scene was next, what scene was previous, which one I was in, or what my lines were. And I've done a whole run that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Head Over Heels was not that show for me. I knew everything happening all the time, ins and outs. And this time, like, literally, I'll look at someone and go, what's next? And it's a horrible feeling. And add that to the back pain and my birthday coming up. And I'm like, I'm just old is what's happening. I'm just old. Can you so, wear a back brace or a, are you wearing a corset in the show? I am not. I am not. Because remember, it's going to be hot. It's going right. to be hot. Did you wear a corset the last time? Sort of. Yeah. There was, there was heavy boning mm-hmm. going you on. You said boning. I said boning. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't a separate corset, but it, it was, it was, it was boned. It was boned. I was really boned. <laughs> You boned that dress. I was boned. And so maybe that helped because I do, I've had back pain all the way to Rocky because I remember I would have Garrett who played Rocky. I would lay across his lap and he would just dig his elbow into my sciatic Mm. nerve with Mm. all of his strength. Mm. So I've had this back pain for a long time, but this is the longest flare up and this is the worst it's ever been. And so it just makes you tired, just makes you exhausted. It makes me tired. It makes you tired. You won't <laughs> shut up about it. And I'm like, listen, how do you think I feel when you won't fucking shut up about it? He's always calling me, your back hurts. God. I know. I'm sorry, honey. So anyway, anyway, enough about me. How are you? What is oh, happening? What's going on? Nothing. It's just, you know, it was a, it was a really hectic week last week. I haven't been so happy for Friday to come. Since probably the pandemic began, because it was just one day after another, and there was no sense of time or days. Did you have to leave? Leave what? Your house. Like you had to go. Oh, no. Like I just had, there was like a two day workshop that was like for four hours each day on Zoom Wednesday and Thursday. And that's just exhausting. It's just, you know, just that kind of stuff. And so it's just like, uh, come on Friday. Am I right? TGIF. Tijajai Jaff, right? So, yeah, so that uh, happened. But other than, oh, yeah, I'm also taking like an online class during the week now in the night, two days, two nights a week. What? Uh, I'm getting my HR certification. Oh, no, 
don't shake your head like that. That's very exciting. I mean, I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm doing it. I'm just doing it for this for the podcast, so we can have an official HR person. Oh, oh, oh! Well, that's um, I better clean up my act then. Um, can you imagine? There's three of us here. You're the HR person, married to the other one. So basically, yes, yeah, we have a- to have a talk. <laughs> Wait, what? I need you to clean out your locker and go home. <laughs> Wait, I have a locker. There's a locker at your house. With random stuff in it that doesn't even belong to me. It's stuff that you guys found around your house that you thought that I might like. And your locker is real messy, by the way. (laughs) We've asked you to clean it. I didn't even know I had this locker. (laughs) Oh, Oh, boy. How are you celebrating Father's Day? You filthy animal. Uh, Oh, I should probably think about that. (laughs) He's probably still sleeping, though, right? Yes. So you got plenty of time. Yeah, I have to. What time is it? Ten. I got a few hours at least. (laughs) Yeah, he's sleeping on the couch. He sleepwalks. Everybody, he's a sleepwalker. I don't think that's a big secret. Um, Because I tell anyone who will listen. Everyone, listen up. (laughs) Listen, don't tell anybody. (laughs) So I woke up, you know, go to the bathroom or something, and he wasn't there. And I was like, hmm. And okay, he smokes like a chimney, you guys. Like he'll smoke in the middle of the night. If he wakes up to go to the bathroom, he smokes. Like it's terrible. Yeah, no, it's terrible. But there's a, I can just always tell a difference in the energy of the house if he's awake and outside or he's fallen asleep somewhere. Like I can just tell. Interesting. And so I woke up and he wasn't in bed and I just laid there for a second and I was like, "Mm, no. He's asleep somewhere. I can tell like I that the energy of the house. It's just, there's, there's no awake energy anywhere. And so sure enough, he's on the couch. And uh, so I'm like, all right, cool. So I have the whole bed. I'm all right. And you shouldn't wake up someone if they're in another plate, like don't wake them up. It's just, it's not enough work. And then you're wide awake and they're, they're yeah. still sleeping. And who, who does it really uh, cater to? No one. Yeah, just let them have it. Yeah. So he's currently still on the couch at 1030. I'm actually surprised he's not because our couch isn't that comfortable mm. because it doesn't connect. It's a sectional and all the sections uh. are apart. So you can put it any way you want it. And there's no like hooks or anything. So when you get it in the place you want it, you can hook it. Like they literally slide apart. So how he's sleeping on it, I actually have no idea. But I found him in the back hallway once, which is concrete. And like, like how do you sleeping? Sleeping or standing? Oh, sleeping. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Like sleeping. Standing in the corner like Blair Witch style. Oh God, no, he's never done that. Thank God. that. Now see, that would be like, good, good day, sir. You're out of here. Um, no, no, no. I, he was in the back hallway sleeping in front of the dryer, no. mm, but it's concrete. And I was like, how, what is like, what, like, I understand he's sleepwalking. He doesn't know he's doing it, but like, what goes through the sleeping mind that says, Oh, this granite looks comfy. It's so much better than the bed. Right in front of the dryer and the <laughs> shoe tree. So I have minimal space. <laughs> uh, like the work it took to get down there would have woken me up. Like, I don't get it. Anyway, so he's on the couch right now. Yeah, we'll get together with people at some point. It'll be great. I'm super excited about it. I think we're going to have steak. I don't know. Oh, It's not my day. You know, he, he's getting a t-shirt. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, you, you, you figure it out. It's your day. It, like, it's your day. So what the you, fuck do you want? Isn't this how this works? It's your day. You figure <laughs> it the fuck out. What do you, what do you want to do? I'm not a planner. Okay. I, I don't, I don't know what you want. I don't know what your whims may be on any given day. Right. So, you know, figure it out, buddy. <laughs> buddy. You know, last Saturday, uh, Joe was in a little show. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw a live piece of theater in a year and Ooh. a half. Ooh. So that was nice. It wasn't um it wasn't scary, it wasn't weird. No, it was in someone's house. Oh, so it was scary and weird for different reasons. Uh no, it's a very nice house. It oh, was in the okay. it was in the basement and there were like oh, oh, six oh, oh, of us oh, oh, there. Oh, I see. So it was totally fine. Oh, totally I fine. see. But it was just nice to have that communal experience again. Sure. That you're going to be experiencing soon. Are I you am. feeling nervous about it at all? No, it's very weird. I don't, I, I have a mask in my purse, but I don't, it doesn't occur to me to put it on. Yeah. Like it, I've, I've instantly reverted back. The, the only two places I go are to get my haircut and rehearsal. And, um, my salon recently changed to, if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. If you aren't vaccinated, you do. Now, the thing about that is like, people could lie. We've talked about this before. Sure. But, you know, I put in a lot of work to not get sick and to not be contagious. And I did all the things I was supposed to do. So I'm going to reap the benefits. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly how I feel. I stopped wearing my mask at Target because I'm like, why did I get vaccinated? Like, if right. I if someone's lying and they're not vaccinated and not wearing a mask, the science is saying that my chances of getting it are slim. Yeah. Or it will be a very mild case. Yeah. And so I've just stopped. Like I went yeah. to Bath and Body Works last night. And, you know, going to Bath and Body Works, the mask is a huge hindrance. <laughs> right. Because you're like, well, how do I smell this blessed thing? Yeah. And I was one of the few people. It was pretty crowded because it's their, you know, mid-year sale. Right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one of the few people who was completely unmasked. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but I was like, I don't even feel weird about it really anymore. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah. So those are the only two places I go. And I think I would, yeah, I'm fine without it. I'm fine without it. The other, I think it was Thursday or Friday, this little precious nugget at rehearsal. She's only 12 years old. She's in sixth grade and she's just so precious and annoying like children are, but just precious. And her face was beat red. It looked like she had a sunburn. And I said, honey bunny what is going on with your face she's like oh i'm just hot because of the mask and i said well you know because she's vaccinated we're all we're all vaccinated i said well you know you can take the mask off and she's like well i actually i don't feel very well i don't know if it's allergies or whatever but i I feel a little under the weather so i'm gonna wear the mask and i this is what i love about all of this is this new sort of way of i'm not wearing it for covid i'm wearing it because i might have a cold and i don't want to give it to you yeah. Something that we had never thought of before. Right. Like it's seemingly that Asian countries do all the time now. Which, yes. Which can I just say, and I don't know if this will make people hate me, but when I used to see people wearing masks, this is going to sound so stupid. I used to get like almost offended. Like what? My cooties aren't good enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until I'm like, oh, they're protecting. Yes, they're protecting themselves, but they're also protecting me from whatever's going on with them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that just never sort of occurred to me. And so when she said that, I was like, Oh, that is so sweet. You know, thank you for being so thoughtful. So it's this new, yeah, I I sort of like the new middle ground we're reaching of 
it's in people's minds like i don't feel well so i'm gonna wear a mask because it's now been proven that they work and uh, it lessens the chance of you getting sick i wish we had thought of that during rocky um when everyone had (laughs) the black plague oh my god it's terrible pneumonia for six months didn't even know was it the rocket pneumonia or the boogie woogie flu (laughs) get out (laughs) i need you to leave i know it's only rock and roll but i like it (laughs) you are ridiculous (laughs) happy father's day happy father's you and i cannot celebrate proper because our dads are dead You know, oh, God, I wish I could celebrate, but mine not only is in Arizona, but six feet under. So it's going to be hard. I would ask him what he would want to do. And he's like, you know, just relax. Yeah. I'm just going to relax. I'm just good laying here. I'm just good laying here. It's nice. The soil makes it cool. <laughs> Oh my God. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to those who have them. Live it up. Listen, if you don't know by now that this is our coping mechanism here in the wrong If you don't know me by now. What is happening? You're very sing songy today. Very sing songy on a Father's Day Sunday. Oh, real quick. So yeah. sorry. No, why? Another thing I have to get used to is we're using mics in this show. Oh, boy. Honey, that's hard to get used to. Yeah, I don't like them. Oh, it's hard. I like it. You know, here's the thing. We're doing two shows in one day. And those songs, my songs are, you wouldn't think they're hard, but the way I project them, uh, they become tiring. And so having the mic is a little easier. But also when the person manning the mics isn't paying attention and they can hear you breathe, that's distracting. So (laughs) it's just, it's a, yeah, they're hard to get used to. Are they like the, this kind? Yes, they are. They're not like corded with that. You have to hold and no, no. Cause like that a, would be, can you imagine all of us having a corded microphone? Walking like around? a seventies variety show. <laughs> and all the cords are just, and we're tripping and they're all tangled up. And at one point in the show, you just lose enough give in your cord. Cause it's tangled. So yep. you just got to stand wherever. It <laughs> and you have to like coordinate all the blocking around how far the mic cord goes. I can't, I can't go any further. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I can only move six feet. Someone's standing on my court. <laughs> what a terrible thing. That would be a terrible layout. Um, so yeah, getting used to mics is is difficult. That's okay. That's all. That's all I had. That's all I okay. had to say. Um, I do have just one little bit of news. What? Uh, Girls 5 Eva has been renewed for season two. I thought we knew that. No, we knew about hacks. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, so yes, that's yes, yes, fun. yes, yes. All right, all right, all right, yeah. all right, all right. Do you think they'll bring back the dead character? Uh oh, I don't know. Hopefully. I think it was alluded to that they might. Oh, like uh like she's really alive? Yeah, they alluded to several times. They were like, I think she's pretending. So I think Oh gonna, yeah. They're gonna find a way to bring her back, I think. Yeah. Um, have you been watching anything this week or you've been busy with the rehearsals? No, I've been too yeah. I've been too busy. I've been in a real murdery mood. So I've been watching a lot of murder mm. things. I mean, I'm always in a murdery mood. Sure. You know, that's yeah. my jam. Uh, but lately it's been really comforting. What is it? That's weird, right? There's something wrong with me. No, I get it. I think, you know, people who enjoy that get that. Yeah, people but what is it? Like, why? Won't. Like, I don't why? know. Why is it comforting? I don't know. Maybe because you feel safe. 
Right, because you beat the odds. Yeah, you're not that that's, sad sack that got far. killed. <laughs> uh, oh God, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Happy Father's Day. <laughs> um, you beat the odds, unlike our fathers. <laughs> um, I need to talk about this for one second. Uh, Please. <laughs> I have officially unsubscribed from my favorite murder. Have you? Yeah. I think I'm. I think I'm on the way. Because do you I'm know what the they're way. doing this summer? They're taking. Oh yeah. They're taking the summer off. From what, ladies? From what? What are you taking a break from? And you don't even do your own research anymore. Right. What are you taking? When I heard that, I was like, taking a break from from? someone handing you some pieces of paper so you can sit down in front of a microphone and talk for an hour. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I would, I probably, you rich, you need a break. Exactly. I probably wouldn't have unsubscribed if it was because of the first, because we're having guest hosts. And the first one was Stephen Ray Morris. And I was like, oh, that's, I guess, stupid, but maybe interesting. But then I discovered that he's just picking two of their old stories to broadcast. I'm like, well, at least let these guest hosts do their own thing and not just regurgitate everything that you've done oh over God, the past five years. So, I, yeah. And I, I don't know. I have a weird, I have a weird, I have a weird thing about that. Like, I'm not mad at them for myself because I've never given them money, but like for the people who spend money on their fan culture, their Patreon or any of that kind of, it's like they ladies, those people made you famous. They made you rich. You're rich now. Like we know that because we hear you talk about things that have happened in your life right? and all good blessings. That's great. Sure. Absolutely. But like you're t- like, really? Cause the past year has sort of been garbage for you guys. And and people are very accommodating because it's been garbage for everybody. But now you're taking the summer off. You haven't done shit. So yeah. what are you taking a break from? Yeah, exactly. And it's just I I don't that that's irritating me. So I haven't officially unsubscribed, but I haven't listened in a long time. I've been listening. I still listen. I was listening to the new ones. I skip all the live stuff and I skip all of yeah, the, I don't like the live episodes. Stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. But then when I saw this happening, I'm like, no, this is just clogging up my phone. Like. Good and, day. Yeah. And just honesty is just. And I mean, I haven't listened, so I don't know what they've said. But I would almost rather if it was like, hey, guys, this is a dream come true. And the dream has come true. And so now we're moving on. Yeah. Because we have this. Because now we're business ladies. Right. And just like fucking stop pretending you're not doing the podcast anymore. Like it's stupid. Stop it. Anyway. So fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shall we talk about our lady of the week? We shall. Who is it? Well, just in time for the last week of Pride, we had to talk about the one, the only, Barbara Jones Streisand. Barbara, baby. Babs. Now, do you remember your first memory of Barbara Streisand? Honestly, I don't know that I've actively ever watched anything of hers. Oh, interesting. So I think probably my first, I mean, just her music, I would think. Yeah. And then just hearing, oh, but, you know, Hello, Dolly, or, oh, she's doing this movie, Yentl, or, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't think I ever actively watched anything of hers. Yeah. I mean, for me, too, I think it was definitely the music. I mean, growing up, you know, like, she was still a big radio star. Um, so the way we were would have been huge. Evergreen would have been huge. I think the first time I saw one of her movies would have been the main event, which I did see at the theater. 
and then I did see Yentl, and then that's when it was just, uh, it was all over. And then I just, before I even knew that I was gay, was like, oh my God, Barbara Streisand is fabulous. Oh, I thought you were like, I saw Yentl, and then I was like, no, it's all over for her. I'm never watching another thing. <laughs> and then she turned me gay. <laughs> and the very first CD I ever bought was Barbara Streisand, the Broadway album, because mm. I'm a huge homo. <laughs> 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 the first album I ever bought. Are you ready? <laughs> album or CD? Album. Album? What was album. it? Album. <laughs> it was <laughs> Kenny Rogers Gambler. Oh, Lord. <laughs> that's that's precious. I honestly have no idea why. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have a I don't have a reason or justification for that. <laughs> The first album I ever bought with my own money was the Star Wars soundtrack. Oh, well, obviously. And I was very, like, I was, I had the money for my allowance, and I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And I asked my mom. She's like, it's your money. You can do with it what you want. So I bought it. So, yeah. <laughs> great, great. The end. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> so that's all you get about Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Barbara Streisand was born April 24th, 1942. Now, here's the oh, thing shit. about that. She's just turned... 79 that's good that doesn't no that doesn't make any sense she's gonna be 80 next year that doesn't make any Isn't sort of that sense crazy yeah, no I, no yes i just yes. it doesn't it just doesn't compute you know time and humanity have no meaning I it know. just doesn't like do, do really quick i'm so sorry to interrupt no but so i'm back in my that's old high school here. right and so my former theater uh, teacher is she helps with costumes now and a parent of uh one of the people i graduated with she does the costumes uh my accompanist when i was in high school is our accompanist now and it's so and i said to the i said to scott i said it's been 30 years since i've been here and he's like 30 years i was like yeah i graduated 30 years ago and then i tell my um drama teacher you know it i'm 46 it's been 30 years and then she tells me how old she is and then i realize she was my age when she taught me which does not compute because i would have thought she was much older yeah yeah and then i'm trying to work out scott's age I'm like you've been here 30 like what? time is meaningless what are you all doing here still it's like so it doesn't crazy. make any sense just goes so fast so fast and so slow high school feels like yesterday but a million years, I don't know. It just, and when I hear the ages of certain people, it just, it it's crazy to me. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So 80 year old Barbara Streisand. Oh my God. Uh, well, 79. Uh, was born in Brooklyn and she is the daughter of Diana, who was born Ida Rosen Ew. and Emmanuel Streisand was her father. Her mother had been a soprano in her youth and considered a career in music, but later became a school secretary. <laughs> so should I be a singer or should I be a school secretary? I think they're, you know, they're interchangeable. They're yeah. interchangeable. I mean, different time, of course. Her father was a high school teacher at the same school where her mother was a secretary. That's how they met. And Barbara has an older brother who is named Sheldon. In August 1943, a few months after Barbara turned one, her father died at the age mm. of 34. Oh, from, my God. I know. From complications from an epileptic seizure. Oh. I know. 
So after he died, the family fell into near poverty. Uh, her mother started working as a low-paid bookkeeper, but then she remarried in 1949 to Louis Kind, and uh, that marriage gave Barbara a half-sister, Rosalind Kind, who was also a singer. Semi-famous, mm. but really semi-famous for being Barbara Streisand's sister. Sure. That must not be crappy at all. Yeah. Barbara recalls that her mother had a great voice and sang semi-professionally on occasion. And they went on a trip to the Catskills when Barbara was 13, and she and her mother recorded some songs on tape. And that session was the first time that Barbara ever asserted herself as an artist, which also became her first moment of inspiration, of artistic inspiration. She made her singing debut at a PTA assembly, where she became a hit to mm. everyone but her mother, who was mostly oh. critical of her daughter. Oh, sounds like a jealousy. Yeah. Uh, Barbara was invited after that to sing at weddings and summer camps, along with having an unsuccessful audition at MGM Records when she was nine. Oh, she must have been so disappointed in this. Uh, I know. <laughs> and um, nine, make something of this. Yeah. Oh, you're a terrible little girl. <laughs> Becoming an actress was her main objective, though. And that desire was made stronger when she saw her first Broadway play, The Diary of Anne Frank, when she was 14. During the summer of 1957, she got her first stage experience as a walk-on at the Playhouse in Malden Bridge, New York. That small part was followed by a role as the kid's sister in Picnic, and one as a vamp in Desk Set. In her second year, she took a night job at the Cherry Lane Theater in Greenwich Village, helping out backstage. And when she was a senior, she rehearsed for a small part in Driftwood, uh, a play that was staged in a midtown attic space. She graduated from high school at age 16. And despite her mother's pleas that she stay out of show business, she set out trying to get roles in New York City. All right. She rented a small apartment living on her own at 16 on 48th Street in the heart of the theater district, and she accepted any job she could involving the stage, and at every opportunity, she made the rounds of the casting offices. During one period, she lacked a permanent address and found herself sleeping at the home of friends or anywhere else she could set up the army cot she carried around with her. She says that my desires were strengthened by wanting to prove to my mother that I could be a star. She took a job as an usher at the Lunt Fontan Theater, uh, working for The Sound of Music early in 1960. And during the run of that play, she heard that they were looking for more singers to be in the show. And it marked the first time that she sang in pursuit of a job, although the director felt that she was not right for the part. He encouraged her, however, to be, uh, again, including her talent as a singer on her resume when looking for other work. It's just so funny that like her main objective was to be an actor. And not mm -hmm. a singer. Right. So she, her boyfriend at the time, his name was Barry Denon. She asked him to tape her singing. And so he accompanied her on the guitar. And the first time that he taped her, he says, we spent the afternoon taping. And the moment I heard the first playback, I went insane. This nutty little kook had one of the most breathtaking voices I'd ever heard. When she was finished and I turned off the machine, I needed a long moment before I dared look up at her. Mm. Isn't that nice? Yeah. And it's so true. Like her voice is just gorgeous. It is. It really is. 
So her boyfriend, Barry, grew very enthusiastic, and he convinced her to enter a talent contest at the Lion, which was a gay nightclub in the village. So like a nightclub, not like we know them today, of course, not like the drinks, cabaret singer, the whole thing. So she performed two songs, after which there was a stunned silence from the audience, followed by a thunderous applause when she was pronounced the winner. She was invited back and sang at the club for several weeks. And it was during this time that she dropped the second A from her first name. Oh. Switching from Barbara to Barbara. Barbara. She was told at the time that her name sounded too Jewish. And so they people were encouraging to change her name completely. And she says, you know, people were saying you could be Joni Sands or something like that because my middle name is Joan. Mm. And I said, no, let's see. If I take out the middle A, it's still Barbara, but it's unique. So that's what she did. Okay. Streisand was next asked to audition at the Bonsoir nightclub, after which she was signed at $125 a week, and it became her first professional engagement, and this was in September of 1960, where she was the opening act for Phyllis Diller. I know, isn't that fun? She recalls it was the first time she had been in that kind of upscale environment. She says, I'd never been in a nightclub until I sang in one. Her boyfriend, Barry, now wanted to expose her to his vast record collection of female singers. So he played her Billie Holiday, Mabel Mercer, Ethel Waters, Edith Piaf, and perhaps a little uh, premonitionally, uh, Fanny Bryce. And she realized that she could become an actress by first gaining recognition as a singer. So she thought, if I can get noticed as a singer, that can be my way into actually being an actor. According to her biographer, biographer Christopher Nickens, having heard other great female singers benefited her style. And she began creating different emotional characters when performing, which gave her singing a greater range. She improved her stage presence when speaking to the audience between songs. And she discovered that her Brooklyn-bred style of humor was received favorably. During the next six months appearing at the club, uh, some began comparing her singing voice to Judy Garland, Lena Horne, and her conversational ability to charm the audience with spontaneous humor during performances became more sophisticated and professional. Theater critic Leonard Harris wrote, She is 20, and by the time she is 30, she will have rewritten the history books. Oh, wow. 20 years old. Can you imagine getting that kind of acclaim when you're 20? I can't. Barbara has been married two times. Her first husband was actor Elliot Gould. Oh, I forgot that. Whom she married on September 13th, 1963. They announced their separation on February 12th, 1969, and were divorced on July 6th, 1971. They had one child, Jason Gould who, I must say, has my exact same birthday. Ooh, all right. So my mother and Barbara Streisand were both in the hospital at the same time, giving birth to gay sons. <laughs> On the same a day. That is, that's a gay agenda for you right there, It is. Honey. I think the stars aligned. I wonder <laughs> anyone else on that day. Was born gay. What if everybody on that day was born gay? I should do some sort of study. Yeah. Maybe there's certain, I wonder if there are days that are gayer than others. Well, that's definitely one of them. Cause that's two right there. That's two, the two whole gays. Yeah. Two of them. <laughs> and, and, and one of them was Barbara Streisand's son. That's pretty gay right there. That I mean that like, that counts for like four gays. 
Yeah, he was like destined to come out of that womb, a Nancy boy. I mean, 100%. Like, she probably like birthed him and then was like, ugh, later, homo. <laughs> Um, so I just had to work that in. So after that, she has, she has dated a Canadian prime minister, Pierre Trudeau, John Peters. She dated from 1973 to 1982. He went on to be her manager and producer. They broke up during the making of Yentl, but they remained friends. And she is the godmother to his daughters. She dated Don Johnson, Richard Gere, Clint Eastwood, Andre Agassi. And then finally, she settled down, married her second husband, actor James Brolin. They were married on July 1st, 1998. So they've been married for almost 13 years, 23 years. Sorry, my math was off. I was like, wait, hold hold on. They've been married (laughs) for six months. And uh, while they have no children together, he has two sons from his first marriage, uh, including Josh Brolin, which is just so weird to me that Josh Brolin's stepmother is Barbara Streisand. Yeah, that's that's weird. That's it weird. is. Uh, so she is the owner of multiple dogs. And this is just I have to uh, say this because she loved her last dog, Samantha, so much. Samantha died in like 2018 or somewhere around there. Uh, and after she died, Barbara had her cloned. Oh, my God. And I think she got three dogs out of that cloning that are all just look just like Samantha, who was, I think, a little Lhasa Apso. Richard will know. He's either at home right now conferring that or else he's shaking his head going, you are such a bad gay. <laughs> that's funny. And that's a little background on BAPS. Very interesting. I have a little tidbit that has nothing to do with Barbara Stray. Well, sort of, because you mentioned Elliot Gould. And I had to confirm something. So, you know, the... Uh, television drama er yes did you know that before that there was a sitcom called er starring elliot gould yeah and was it george clooney in that too okay thank you so much because i thought he was as well he is listed nowhere in the cast oh interesting I just looked it up. but that's so weird that we both thought that right yeah i he had to have been on that show it must am- have been one of those mandela things Okay, I can't talk about those because the more I talk about them, the more I get freaked out. Because um, so- something is going on, you guys. Don't don't fall for the don't fall for it. I don't I don't know what I'm falling for, but um, just yeah, don't do it. This is freaking me out. He was on the show because I remember when the drama came out, I was like, how weird that George Clooney was on two shows named ER that couldn't be more different. Right? He's not on it, but he's not. That's weird because I've. Totally thought the same thing too. So listen, this woman has a vast career. So I'm just vast, vast. I mean, just like leave some for somebody else. Okay. So I'm just going to go over her film stuff. Mostly her first film was a reprise of her Broadway hit funny girl an artistic and commercial success directed by Hollywood veteran, William Wyler. Streisand won the 1968 Academy award for best actress for the role. Sharing it with Catherine Hepburn uh, for The Lion in Winter. The only time there has been a tie in this category in uh, Oscar history. Her next two movies were also based on musical musicals. Jerry Herman's Hello, Dolly, directed by Gene Kelly. And Alan J. Lerner and Burton Lowe's On a Clear Day You Can See Forever, directed by Vincent Minnelli. While her fourth film was based on a Broadway play, The Owl and the Pussycat. 
Uh, during the 70s, Streisand starred in several screwball comedies, including What's Up, Doc? The main event, both starring uh, Ryan O'Neill, and for Pete's sake, with Michael Sarazen. One of her most famous roles during this period was in the drama The Way We Were with Robert Redford, for which she received an Academy Award nomination as Best Actress. She earned her second Academy Award for Best Original Song uh, with lyricist Paul Williams for the song Evergreen from A Star Is Born, in which she also starred. Along with Paul Newman, Sidney Poitier, and later uh, Steve McQueen, Streisand formed first artist production company in 1969 so actors could secure properties and develop movie projects for themselves. Streisand's initial outing with first artist was uh, Up the Sandbox in 1972. From 69, from 1969 to 80, Streisand appeared in Top 10 Money Making Stars Poll, the annual motion picture exhibitors poll of Top 10 Box Office Attractions, a total of 10 top times often as the only woman on the list after the commercially disappointing all night long in 1981 Streisand's film output decreased considerably she has only acted in eight films since wow isn't that weird yeah Streisand produced a number of her own films setting up Barwood films in 1972 the first film she made Yentl 1983 was turned down by every Hollywood studio at least once when she asked not only to direct the picture but also star in the film until Orion Pictures took on the project and gave the film a budget of 14 million for Yentl, she was producer, director, and star, an experience she repeated for The Prince of Tides and The Mirror Has Two Faces. Uh, uh, there was controversy when Yentl received five Academy Award nominations, but none for the major categories of Best Picture, Actress, or Director. That sounds shady. Mm -hmm. uh, the Prince of Tides received even more Oscar nominations, mm -hmm. including Best Picture and Best Screenplay, mm -hmm. although not for Director. Yep. Shady and sus. Yep. Upon completion of the film, its screenwriter, Pat Conroy, who also authored the novel called Streisand, A Goddess Who Walks Upon the Earth. Wow. All right. Streisand also co-scripted Yentl, something for which she was not always given credit. My God, what? What is happening? According to the New York Times editorial page, editor Andrew Rosenthal, in an interview with Alan Wolper, uh, the one thing that makes Barbara Streisand crazy is when nobody gives her the credit for having written Yentl. <laughs> in 2004, Streisand made a return to film acting after an eight-year hiatus in the comedy Meet the Fockers, oh Lord, and uh, a sequel to Meet the Parents, playing opposite Dustin Hoffman, Ben Stiller, Blythe Danner, and Robert De Niro. In 2005, Streisand's Barwood Films, Gary Smith and Sonny Murray purchased the rights to Simon Maher's book Mendel's Dwarf. In December 2008, she stated that she was considering directing an adaptation of Larry Kramer's play, The Normal Heart, a project she has worked on since the mid-90s. In December 2010, Streisand appeared in Little Fockers, the third film in the Meet the Parents trilogy. Because <laughs> that's what we needed. Because that's really what we needed it to be a trilogy. I need these. I have so many questions that need to be answered. <laughs> what happened to the Fockers? <laughs> she reprised the role of Ro Roz Fokker alongside Dustin Hoffman, which she's actually really funny. She is very She's funny. really funny. On January 28th, 2011, the Hollywood Reporter announced that Paramount Pictures had given the Paramount Pictures had given the green light to begin shooting a road trip comedy my mother's curse with seth rogan playing streisand's character's son 
Ann Fletcher directed the project with the script by Dan Fogelman, produced by Lorne Michaels, John Goldwyn, and Evan Goldberg. Uh, executive producers included Streisand, Rogan, Rogan Fogelman, and Dave, Dave, oh, for fuck's sake, Dave Ellison. Shooting began in spring of 2011 and wrapped in July. The film's title was eventually altered to The Guilt Trip, and the movie was released in December 2012. Streisand has been set to star in a film adaptation of the musical Gypsy. In April 2016, it was reported that Streisand was in advanced negotiations to star in and produce the film, which will be directed by Barry Levinson. Two months later, the film script had been completed and production was scheduled to begin in early 2017. Okay, so where is it? In 2015, plans emerged for Streisand to direct a feature uh, biopic about the 18th century Russian empress, Catherine the Great, based on the top 2014 blacklist script produced by Gil Netter with Kira Knightley starring. As of 2020, nothing has come of these plans. All right. Well, I, I want to know. I want to know what's happening with those plans. Um, so that's it. And that's just for her films. Because that's all I had time to do. Listen, because the woman does everything. She does. She really I'm does. sad that she never got the normal heart made. She would have been so good in it. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, Ryan Murphy did it, and Julia Roberts played that role. But oh. Barbara would have been so great. Weird. I think Little Fockers is probably the only movie of hers I haven't seen. She's actually, it's one of those movies that sometimes if it's on TV, you just sort of, sort of start watching it. Mm-hmm. But... I, we've talked about it before that kind of stuff makes me uncomfortable the stupid like the bumbling yeah dude I'm like all right okay ben stiller we got it <laughs> but she she's very funny in it yeah i like her really funny. Fockers, but i should probably just do that so i could get it out of the way you know yeah yeah um, <laughs> check it off that bucket list <laughs> yeah. i really liked uh the guilt trip very much too it was fun my when i moved to la my mom and I drove, like, my mom drove with me out to California. So then we went and saw that movie together because it was about the, you know, mother and son driving across the oh country together. Oh, my God. You went out there together and then you watched a movie about it. I know. Oh with Barbara Streisand, who my mom loves, too. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, yeah. The Prince of Tides was nominated for seven Academy Awards, just not for Best Director. That, yeah. That's, come on. Yeah. I never understand that. Petty. Like, it is one of the best movies ever, which apparently we think the director had nothing to do with. Yes. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, yeah, Barbara. Uh, Barbara, what movie did you do? Well, I decided to do What's Up, Doc? What's Up, Doc, indeed. Directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Opened on March 10th, 1972. Oh, my goodness. The little blurb from... IMDb, uh, to describe it, is the accidental mix-up of four identical plaid overnight bags leads to a series of increasingly wild and wacky situations. <laughs> now, you had not seen this film. I had not. And what did you think of it? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, oh, Joe. Joe. Joe, 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 Joe. I hated it. Oh, no. I hated it until the end. I hated it. Let me tell you why. She, oh, first of all, I couldn't stop looking at her. She's so gorgeous in this movie. She really is. Oh my God. I've decided I hate Ryan O'Neill. Can't, I can't oh. stop it. Like, just stop. Okay. With your paper moons <sighs> and your what's up to stop it. Okay. Here we go. The white female trope of I'm wacky and zany 
and live life by the seat of my pants with every disregard to anyone else's feelings as long as I'm having fun and I'm going to pick a, a wound tight man and I'm going to change his life forever. It doesn't matter if I screw over Madeline Kahn. I'm going to do it because I want to. I hate that trope. I hate it. I hate it when Jennifer Aniston did it and along comes Polly. I hate it. And, and listen, Barbara Streisand is gorgeous doing it, but I fucking hate it. It drives me crazy. It Because the whole movie, I'm thinking, you don't give a crap about anyone's feelings about what's happening. What about Madame Khan? Which, by the way, when she came on screen, I gasped. I was just like, yay. <laughs> yeah. I will say it won me over in the end. The ending of the movie won me over. And let me tell you something, which I think will shock you. So Lillian was watching it with me. And you know how she hates silliness. She yes. just can't. She can't deal with it. This little girl was laughing her head. She was like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> this is hysterical. And she even said, she goes, they're all so stupid. I love it. And I just, she, I have never seen her laugh at a movie as hard as she laughed at this movie. She loved it. That's amazing. And I just thought it was the cutest thing. She's just like, ah, then the car is going to end it. Ah! <laughs> it was adorable. It was adorable. So it did win me over in the end. I didn't hate it. I liked it. But I, that, that. <laughs> oh my God. It was terrible. But I liked it. It was. A... <laughs> I always feel so guilty saying I don't like it. I just don't like that trope. I don't like that trope of female character. It's so. I just don't like it. It, it bothers me. It, it just bothers me. All right. But she, but she was, it's one of those things like she was amazing. She's so natural. She really is. Just in the way oh. she acts. Just so like, it's so conversational. It's just, she's a real person. And, um, yeah. yeah. So funny. Like I would have to agree with Lily on this. I love this movie. It makes me laugh every single time I see it. It was based on, I'm not based on, but it was Made in the style of the screwball comedies of the 30s and 40s, which is what Peter Bogdanovich was going for. Um, it is the feature film debut of Madeline Kahn, who is <gasps> so great in this She's movie. so cute. I love her. I love the fact that she has beautiful red hair. Yeah. But wears a red wig. That's not attractive. <laughs> no. And I love when he comes to the door and her wig is like a skew. Yes, and it's just like, <laughs> like on her head. It's just near her head. <laughs> This movie is, there are four plaid overnight bags that get swapped and everyone, someone's after each one of them and people get the wrong ones and it's just slamming doors in this hotel and missed opportunities and pandemonium. There's a chase at the end, which just in a car chase, which just includes all of the big pane of glass, big ladder okay. over the okay. street. Okay. I, I did laugh <laughs> the, the, the glass <laughs> i was like oh no oh okay oh, oh and you can see it coming from a mile away but it was still funny the yeah. way it happened. And like, that's pretty good that's good they're that's in san francisco so it's all the hills and mm -hmm. driving down the steps and yeah just wet cement there's a wet cement moment yes so it's just it's just I, everything and the kitchen sink is involved yes. in this car chase Yes. It also was the first American film to credit stunt people in the credits. Really? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. And I loved, there's one moment where the hotel, the Fritz, the uh, 
clerk at the hotel yes. is talking to the detective and they're tr- trying to get that older lady's jewels in the case. Yes. And yes. The, he's talking to the detective. He's like, he's like, how do we get the jewels? And he's like, just use your charm. And then she comes walking through and he just trips her and she falls on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I also love the moment where it's her and Ryan O'Neill in that sky lounge that's under construction and she's on the piano mm-hmm. and she sings, it's just so gorgeous. And she's mm-hmm. singing live in that take because um, Peter Bogdanovich wanted that moment of her singing live. It's just gorgeous. She looks gorgeous. She sounds. Oh, God. She, oh my God. That hair. Yeah. And she, oh, my God. Just so those. Uh, there's something about her skin. Yeah. Luminous. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I laughed a lot. <laughs> I don't. I, I just. I, that just that character choice and and uh ryan o'neill just being such a wet dishcloth i don't know i i liked everything surrounding them it was funny (laughs) two main characters i was like nah when malgas says um what on earth are you doing with howard bannister's rocks (laughs) (laughs) and their relationship is so weird why do they have separate uh, I know. And then when they're at the airport at the beginning and she's like telling him everything to do, he's like, yes, Eunice. Yes, Eunice. And then she's like, put those bags in the car. The guy's like, yes, Eunice. <laughs> and the little look like. <laughs> so funny. That's it's the kind of thing where you see that performance as a debut performance. And you're like, this lady's going places. Yes. Oh, God. I just love her. So yeah, much. she is so great. Oh, my goodness. Um, so What's Up Doc uh, premiered at the 6,000-seat Radio City Music Hall in New York City in 1972. The film's first two weekends broke the house record that oh, had wow. stood since 1933. It was the third highest-grossing film of 1972 behind The Godfather and The Poseidon Venture. Oh. They re-released it in 1973 and in 1975, and it was a big hit both of those times as well. Okay. So, what's up, Doc? I thoroughly enjoy this film. I don't. I think it's a rental. I don't think it's on any of the streaming sites. Mm-mm. But yeah, and plus it's short, so it's just I. I love it. I think she's super funny. Also, uh, you haven't seen Funny Girl? No. That's also just she's so funny. She's just so wry, and just she can. She knows how to manipulate a one-liner. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she employs her little like Brooklyn accent, yes, for effect, it's just it's all oh, so great. Just she, uh, if I were around her in the seventies, I would probably be in love with her. Like seriously, just I don't know. There's just ugh, ugh. The fact that a lot of the stuff she does have to has to do with beauty and her not being conventionally beautiful. Yeah. When you watch that movie, it blows my mind because she's stunning. Yes. Yeah, I love that whole inclusion of love means never having to say you're sorry at the end. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's um, funny. It's just so great. Yeah, I yeah. love this movie. What did you pick? Well, I picked The Mirror Has Two Faces. Which you had never seen either, I right? I had never seen, no. All right, well, lay it on me. Oh, my God, I loved it. I loved it. Did you really? I did, I really did. Oh, my did. God, that's you know, so great. I cried. 
several oh. times. I did. I, I cried several times. It was just, oh my, I, and I don't know if it's because I'm tired. I don't know, but I did. I cried several times. <laughs> I, I love this movie the too. And oh God. Oh, and excuse me, Jeff Bridges, but I didn't know that you were so fucking hot. Yeah. This was during his super hot period. Oh. <sighs> Holy, I mean, you can look at him and go, oh, he's a good looking man. Like even in Big Lebowski or whatever. Oh, he's a good looking, you know, whatever. No, guy, he, hot, ha, hot. Yep. Like if he were my professor, I would be looking at him like those two little whores too. Like he is <laughs> just, holy shit, hot. The Mirror Has Two Faces is a 1996 American romantic comedy drama film <laughs> produced and directed by Barbara Streisand, who also stars. Uh, it is loosely based on the 1958 French film Le Mirieux et uh, That was, <laughs> oh my God. Also starring Jeff Bridges, Pierce Brosnan, George Segal. Yeah, that was nice to see him. Mimi Rogers, Brenda Vaccaro, and Lauren Bacall. I don't think I've ever heard a more 80s list, cast list <laughs> in my life. Once you say Brenda Vaccaro, it's all over. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, okay. I see. I, I understand where we're going. I understand where we're headed. Take yeah. me there. The story focuses on a shy middle-aged professor who enters into a platonic relationship with an unlucky colleague. The film was released on November 15th, 1996. Oh, it's 96, but it still screams 80s. Sorry. Um, uh, and grossed 82 million worldwide. Nice. Yes. Um, Streisand, Marvin Hamlish, Robert John Mutt Lang. He screwed over Shania Twain. He sure did. Let's go, girls. <laughs> it's true. Nothing makes you feel more empowered than when you hear, let's go, girls. It's just, <laughs> all right, let's go. Um, <laughs> let's and, just do it. Let's just do it. And Brian Adams. What a weird mix of people. Oh. That song at the end is just... I, I finally could... found someone and yeah. Streisand sang it on a soundtrack with Adams. Oh, my goodness. So Ro- she plays Mo- Rose Morgan, a middle-aged English literature professor at Columbia University. She lives with her vain, overbearing mother, Hannah, who's played by Lauren Bacall. And Lauren Bacall, I mean, get get the fuck out of town with her. Her sister is a Claire played by Mimi Rogers and God bless Mimi Rogers. Anytime I see her, the only thing I can ever think is she married Tom Cruise. Yes. 100%. Like literally that's all I can think is her teeth are really weird. And she married Tom Cruise. (laughs) Those are my two takeaways from Mimi Rogers. (laughs) So uh, her, her, Mimi Rogers is her sister and is her sister, Claire, and she is marrying Alex, who is a previous, they met through Barbara Streisand and he fell in love with the more pretty sister, you know, conventionally pretty, I guess, which honestly, Mimi Rogers, she's kind of weird looking. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't, like, I see where they're going with it, but it's like, eh. so she, uh, Rose tells her friend Doris, uh, Brenda Vaccaro, uh, she has finally realized she's never going to get married. It's just not in the cards for her. And she just wants to find someone who, which is so true. She just wants to find someone who knows her, who knows her little habits, her little idiosyncrasies. I can't say the word. Idiosyncrasies. Oh my God. And 
she just wants to she wants companionship is what she wants and she meets george larkin who is played by the fucking hot jeff bridges <laughs> my god like i look at jeff bridges in a new way now okay i i can't it's it's a little disconcerting i don't know what to do with myself the hair the ch- he takes off his shirt and i'm like where i'm sorry is that cgi what is happening right now <laughs> just hot so she uh she meets him through this ad because he has decided he is looking for he's basically looking for a best friend a best female friend he wants the same thing he wants companionship but he never wants them to have sex which is the most unbelievable thing about the film um because okay especially when you look like that you want sex because you want to show people how you you look while you're doing it do you know what i'm saying like if i looked like that I would be having sex all the time in the vicinity of a mirror. Like I I would would just, I would teach naked. Right. Like I would go into Columbia and be like, here's math and my dick. Like this is what's happening. (laughs) Let's do math on my dick. (laughs) If we could all just do this calculus on my dick. (laughs) I don't don't know. so he wants a platonic relationship and he meets rose and they become wonderful friends they have a lot in common and he thinks it's perfect because uh she's not attractive so there will be no sex which i'm like oh, all right okay cool um you know we we see what you're working with jeff bridges but like you know slow your roll because you've got a lot going on mentally so maybe you could give someone else a little slack after a while he proposes marriage to her because he wants to have this platonic marriage and she accepts because she's in love with him and so he tells her that you know, sex isn't part of the deal, but he figures if she gives him enough notice, he could probably pull it off. <laughs> so meanwhile, she's fallen in love with him. So, and he's very fucking attractive. So she wants to have sex and she warns him and this just scares him off. Uh, they, they start to do it and you can tell he's really into it. And he's like, no, ma'am, no, no, thank you. So it, long story short too late uh, because i always have to say that when i hear someone say long story short she oh this scene when she goes when she moves back in with lauren bacall after she leaves jeff bridges because she asked lauren bacall was i pretty as a baby and she was like well all babies are pretty and but was i pretty she's like i don't know i didn't think of you that way and then when the next morning Lauren Bacall uh, gives her this baby picture and was like, isn't this a beautiful baby? And Barbara Streisand's like, oh my God, those eyes, those cheeks, that smile. Claire, that's her sister, was so beautiful. She's like, no, that's you. And that's the first time I cried. I was like, oh, and because of this, she sort of gets her groove back and she decides not only is she beautiful, but it also doesn't matter. And then this started what I thought was going to be a problematic montage for me because it starts with her working out. And I was like, okay, she's not. I mean, listen, obviously people, everyone should work out. It's not just about losing weight and stuff. But I was like, why is that always the first thing we go to in like a looking better montage is working out? Like you, she has a great body. What are you, what's happening? Like the first thing we could see is maybe getting her hair done, but no, she's working out. And so, but it was unproblematic. They didn't weigh too 
heavily on it (laughs) um so she lightens her hair she gets a perm she looks stunning she looks like your 1996 barbara streisand and um she jeff bridges this is where i thought i was going to have the most problem because i'm like oh now he's going to be like well i'm in love with you because she's hot now but the way they do it is very is very nice and unproblematic because he realizes before he ever sees her again in her makeover, he realizes that he's in love with her. He misses her terribly. He can't stand it without her. And so he goes to her and that's when he sees how she looks. And so he's already, um, he's already come to the realization that he loves her before he sees how she looks. So that was very nice. But I cried at the end when they are, that whole scene is just so sweet. And then the guy puts on the album and the song is playing and he's lip syncing and he's just like oh god i'm laying in bed just like oh god, i love love like i just i thought it was delightful i thought it was a very delightful movie that's great i i really like this movie too and i just have to say i think lauren bacall is so fucking good in this movie oh. and it breaks my heart because she won like every single award that year Mm -hmm. except for the oscar and everyone thought she was going to win the oscar and she didn't win and she had never won an oscar before and it was just i hated it because i love her so much um and i think she's just so so good in this movie yeah because she won the golden globe the bafta um the sag the satellite award she won them all yep Except no, the- I'm sorry. She didn't get the BAFTA. She was just nominated. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And she was the only one because lots of things um, for Academy Award, it was Best Original Song and Best Supporting Actress. And then for the Golden Globes, it was Best Actress for Barbara. She was just nominated. Best Supporting Actress for Lauren. She won. And Best Original Song was just nominated. Um, so every she was the from all the nominations, Lauren Bacall is the only one who won anything. Yeah. from this film um but yeah she's she's very good and this is how gay i am i wrote lauren bacall a fan letter when i was 13 years old oh my god <laughs> let me tell you how straight i am i wrote michael j fox a fan letter yeah. when i was like 11 years did old did he write you back no fucker oh, didn't write me back she didn't either. so so you know whatever did i get something yeah, no, I don't think I ever got anything back. But uh, yeah, we were, yeah, I think in school we had to write a fan letter to somebody. And you know, everybody's picking like presidents or whatever, because it's school, right? And right. I was like, fuck that. I'm writing Marty McFly. Like, that's what's happening right now. <laughs> that's what's up. Uh, that's what's up, Doc. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. I also love when we get to see her in her class that she's doing a tight five on 12th century literature. Oh my God. To a standing room only right. lecture hall that everyone is hooting and hollering I and know. eating it up with a spoon. I know. The whole time I'm like, first of all, that has never happened anywhere. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Ever. For, and the, the lecture hall is, it's, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the courtroom from uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> I was like, first of all, what is this? I don't understand. <laughs> and it has aisles so she can conveniently like yep. intermingle with the unwashed <laughs> yep. masses. And they're all just like, yes, they're all hung on every word. No one's <laughs> bored. They just think she's hysterical. And like, even if they thought she was funny, these 20 somethings or whatever would not 
math class. People are because like he drops into the lecture and just walks. Like people are just walking in because they've heard about this wacky yeah. professor. It's like, <laughs> what? It's like what? they're in the audience of the Jerry Springer show. It's just so much honest to God participation. It's just. Yeah. hysterical like jerry Se- jerry seinfeld's jerry seinfeld's bodyguard is there what uh oh my god you just said his name what is it jerry springer jesus christ i'm telling you i can't something is wrong with me well okay well the moment's passed for it to be funny so <laughs> yeah no i was watching that scene like Oh, okay. Like that's never going to, well, and then the scene where what I thought was hysterical. So that first scene you see her teach it's packed. It's the size of an auditorium. Everyone is hanging on the edge of their seat. There's drop in people. And then her final lecture at the movie is just in a regular classroom. Yeah. And she's just up at the chalkboard. I'm like, wait, what (laughs) What happened? What happened? Are you not into this topic today? Is that why you didn't pull out all the stops? What's happening? (laughs) And that's also where she tells her class that, yes, I have breasts. Right. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Wow. Inappropriate. Right. Like, okay. Where is HR? Where is. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, I have breasts and don't write your term paper on them. Right. What? (laughs) Barbara, that perm changed you, honey bunny. Like, what is happening? happening um yeah and they're just like they're like whispering about how hot i'm like okay you know what this doesn't happen okay (laughs) but yeah no i loved it i thought it was sweet i it's funny i knew exactly how she was feeling because a lot of my boyfriends were gay so (laughs) that feeling of just being totally in love and being perfect for each other but that one thing is missing and you keep telling yourself it doesn't matter but boy does it fucking matter (laughs) yeah i just i loved them i god just watch it for jeff bridges alone that yeah jesus christ and George Segal is so cute. Oh, I always love him. Sweet that Austin Pendleton was in it, who was in What's Up Doc also. Mm, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. I didn't even put that to. Oh, that's that is cute. Yeah. So, yeah, watch it. It's so nice. It's just, yeah. And I did. I cried at the end like a fucking idiot. It is real sweet. It's very sweet. It's and very it sweet. Is available on the Netflix. The Netflix and two very different movies we had this week. Exactly. If sure did. Just shows the uh, scope of her talent. The scope. I almost picked Yentl just to be an asshole. <laughs> I would have eaten it up. So, you know. I've never seen it. I love never it. Seen it. I don't think that there's a Barbara movie that I don't like, to be honest. Well, no, that's not true. On a Clear Day is not my favorite film. What about Prince of Tides? I, I really do enjoy Prince of Tides very much. Isn't it real long? No. Oh. I think I just, when I was looking up the Oscars, I think it's uh, two hours and 12 minutes, I think. It's oh, okay. Um, did we ever figure out the George Clooney question? Yes, he was. Oh, thank God. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, he so was I just... on both ERs. Okay, good, 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 good. Because I honestly thought I was going to look up that show and nothing was going to come up. But I vividly remember it because I remember going for a walk with my mother and we happened to be walking down Fielding, the street I ended up living on for 13 years of my adulthood. And I remember saying, like, we have to get home. ER is going to be on. And it was the sitcom. And it was only on for one season. Crazy. 
and I loved it. And it's one of those things that I never talk about because I'm like, no one's going to know what I'm talking about. And then you start to think, did it exist? I don't think it exists. So when it actually came up, I was ecstatic. But then I couldn't find George Clooney. And I'm like, I know I didn't make up George Clooney being on it. No, he's there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, that just made my day. It was great. Um, so delightful convo. Yeah. Happy Pride. Happy everyone. Pride. Happy Father's Day. We'll be back. Yeah. We'll be back next week with a, a Wee Pod. Would you want to know what the Wee Pod's going to be? Oh, yes. What is I've the already, Wee Pod going to be? Well, um, we're going to talk about the documentary Whoopi Goldberg presents <gasps> Mom's Mabley. Okay. That is love, on the HBO. Love that. All right. Yeah. I've always wanted to see it. So we're going to talk about good old Mom's Mabley. All right. Uh, um, well, thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this day. Yep. If you want to write us, threefunnyladies at gmail.com. Uh, on the Instagram, threefunnyladies. And uh, .org. <laughs> dot, dot TV. And uh, <laughs> we will uh, reconvene uh, when we reconvene. <laughs> yeah, we sure yeah. will. That was very, very useful. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. Right, bye. Bye. <laughs>